You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. and welcome back to the second edition of 2022's Talking Turkey. Brian and I are sitting here looking at each other in the camera. Brian Manning, my regular co-host. We're missing Jay tonight because Jay's on the road and not able to join us, which is kind of disappointing, but that happens when you do what he does for a living. Brian, what's going on for you? How's it going? I'm good, John. I'm excited that we have football to actually talk about with spring practice beginning last week we've we've all heard lots of things about some of the new talent new coaches old players changing positions making an impact a lot of exciting things to talk about this week i'm reviewing the uh, receivers and the receiver articles do probably out probably tomorrow evening maybe maybe thursday i'm not sure exactly when i'm going to get it finished because it's a pretty big article what we've got is in a receiver review, we kind of like to go over it tonight too. Uh, but before we launch into that, there's, and, and we will talk straight football. I mean, people are asking me, oh, John, what do you think of this? Or John, what do you think of that about the league? Or where do you think Virginia Tech's going to be next year or the year after? Or what, uh, you know, what's going to happen to the ACC? Especially if they've read the series, the Twilight series, or uh, you know the, the the series I did this this past summer, having to do with the with the conferences, folks. I'm I'm not trying to be dismissive, and and Brian and I are going to really talk about this later on when we have more information. But this is really critical for everybody to understand. We don't know anything, and I think very few people do. Brian, do you think anybody knows anything out in your circle of friends or your circle of contacts no i don't i think everybody i think probably even Whit babcock's purely speculating at this point yeah and and so so us yammering on and wasting time about something that could happen or might happen or might not happen or all this other stuff yeah it could be fun but i'd like to right now just concentrate for everybody out here in, in gobbler country fandom to to uh to to let's just concentrate on the football season ahead of us the exciting things that are happening with the team and the hopeful things that are happening that we're going to launch into in a second here one of which is and it's really important is there's some changes going on in the roster like really fast so let's go over that real quick one of which we got gold last week we announced that, uh, and Brian announced that Cole Beck was going to make an appearance on the roster again. And all of us were speculating that running back didn't seem like the smart place to put Cole Beck. Guess what? Brian, what happened? He is going to be splitting out wide this year. Yep. You're going to put the speed outside, but Cole Beck is going to be a wide receiver, which if you remember last week's podcast, we were talking directly about that particular issue, but we didn't have any deep speed. And we know for a fact 
that Cole Beck is seriously fast and has good hands and played really, really good high school football and just never was developed as a college football player. So he never had the chance, especially because he was running track. And I'm sure the track coach was not, and he's, he's on the relay team and they, they won like all sorts of stuff on the relay team. The good thing about Cole playing wide receiver and returning kicks and splitting out wide, playing the slot and doing a lot of different things is he doesn't need to bulk up. You know, when you play running back, you need to get a little bit of extra weight on. You get over two, around 200 pounds or more because you're going to take more more hard shots. And with him playing, you know, like a hybrid position, slot, split wide, return man, he can keep that lighter weight on him that he uses for track. And, and it benefits – he doesn't lose any kind of speed. So I think – that's a, that was an important thing. Amazed me that the previous staff couldn't figure these things out. Yeah, it was. It was that. It, that was kind of disappointing. Uh, okay. Besides Cole Beck, who's going to show up in my receiver review, we have another guy who's in the receiver review, but on the tight end side. It looks like they finally settled on the fact that Connor Blumrick is still going to be a slash player but his concentration is going to be more in the tight end group as an H-back. He's going to look like Sam Rogers or maybe more like what they did with Dalton Keene in in the H-back role where they're going to split him out. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to stick him in the backfield. Uh, He had a nice and interesting in-depth interview on Hokie Sports the other day, and he seems to be – pretty primed and excited he's learning some new things and he his big observation was he had to learn how to block better and he wasn't used to that well quarterbacks usually aren't used to that kind of body contact right that's true so so we got connor and we've talked about him before as quarterback but now let's deal with another change keonta jenkins yeah john you mentioned you mentioned keonta jenkins before before we move on to keonta real quick let, let me touch on Bloomberg. I don't know if you've heard okay. over the past few days. Bloomberg's been like the talk of camp. Like he's, it seems like they're, they've got huge plans for him this year, envisioning with the roles, like you said, a little bit of H back, a little bit of traditional tight end, a little bit of wide receiver. He's going to get the ball a lot this year from the sounds of it. Yeah, it seems like he's going to be, I get the feeling he's going to be the starting H back. I think he's going to be one of the starting tight ends or at least one of the major sub tight ends when they go in with the pass package. The most encouraging aspect of this is we have a, we have apparently have a coaching staff who understands that this is a unique weapon. And like, like Cole Beck, we had alluded to earlier, these are unique weapons. Let's find a way to get them the ball in, in the best position. And, you know, in Cole Beck's case, that doesn't mean hammering him between the tackles. And 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 while we're on this subject, I've also heard good things about Keyshawn King. It sounds like this staff has more ideas for Keyshawn King to where we can put the ball in his hands, but he's not toting the ball in between the guards uh, 15, 20 times a game, which we know how fast and elusive he is. So, so getting him more touches, I think, is a, is a great idea. So with – I'm encouraged by what the staff th- sees in these players we've discussed. They see that they don't have to be traditionally, a, oh, he's only a wide receiver, oh, he's only a running back, or he's only a tight end. No, these guys have positional versatility, and that's a that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. The hopeful part of all this is that, that this staff is going to innovate. Does it feel like to you, 
And it seems like to me, I'm seeing that sort of activity where we didn't see that over the, and we didn't see that in the late Beamer era either. I think the two guys that they did innovate a lot with is the innovation happened when Sam Rogers, and then later on, they used a couple of different people like Sam. And and so I, I think at this point, you know, Dalton Keene was probably a better receiver and of course, Sam was a better fullback. And I think that we're going to go back to the Keene level where Connor Blumrick is going to offer them a massively different option. We might even see some gadgets in there, here and there. Not that he threw that much, but when he did throw certain throws, they were actually reasonably accurate. So we I, could I think see the that. important, the, the cool thing there is while he wasn't necessarily a traditional passer and we saw those flaws when they were against Maryland in the bowl game. That's not necessarily his strength. You have a guy who's in that gadget role. He has the capability of throwing the football. So defense always has to honor that every time he touches the football. Yep. Because he could haul back and suddenly who's the open guy. It could be a rollout read option, believe it or not. And that's kind of interesting. Well, we've got to stop for our commercial break. And when we come back, we'll get back into like maybe some of the defensive changes we've seen and some of the other issues. And then at some point, we're going to talk about some of the staffing changes that have come up that are kind of interesting. So we'll be back after these messages. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, John and I discussed numerous changes on offense, mostly the different players who either change positions or who will be kind of gadget players this year, like Cole Beck, Keyshawn King, and of course, Connor Blumrick is the big name right now. There's also been some changes on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get to those in a second, but before we do that, John, I wanted to touch on this, and that was the hiring of WDBJ7 sports director, Travis Wells, and essentially Pete Morris's old role. Me personally, I like to hire. What do you think? It's going to be kind of sad not seeing Travis on the air with the Friday night feature, you know, about high school football, area high school football, which is You know, you played high school football here in one of the better schools and one of the more representative schools in the records and on on TV. And Travis has been announcing them for ages. And it's kind of going to be odd to maybe get a chance if we get ourselves back into the press box to see him running the press box. It's going to be a different experience. He's really good. He really understands the area. Pete, for all his effort, was from Wisconsin. And he and his family kept Wisconsin plates on their cars. They kept their Wisconsin stuff. If you ever followed him as far as his personal account on Twitter and stuff, it was always stuff about Wisconsin and about farming and about the Midwest and everything. And I don't know if Pete ever really got the hang of the good old boy. And and I don't mean that as a negative. I mean that as kind of a positive where everybody knew everybody, where everybody knew the local players, where everybody knew who to talk to and who was there and who wasn't, who was deep in the sports reporting in the area. And I think Travis Wells is going to bring a a whole lot more of that to the table. Yeah, I know that in addition to all his work with, you know, WDBJ7 out of Roanoke, I think anybody who has lived in the New River Valley or Roanoke Valley for any length of time, 
the biggest thing that that we'll miss from from Travis is Friday football extra. That's like a institution. I remember being a kid and, and seeing Mike Stevens doing the show and Roy Stanley would always report from the biggest game of the week. And for, for those kids who don't know Mike Stevens and Roy Stanley, I mean, those dudes were, were great. And the, the Friday football extra, I mean, I mean, it was, it was just an incredible show. And I've watched other high school highlight shows on Friday nights and just nothing touches seeing, seeing Friday football extra. And that, and that was, those were the days where, where my school was always really good. So you enjoyed uh, even as a little kid coming home to see the the highlights and, nobody done it better i mean it was always a salem centered show it seemed like and it still is but you know it was the pulaski county got got a lot of love on that show so you know those are those are some fond memories yeah it's it's always fun when you see the media the local media sort of get a promotion i'm pretty happy about the chance that maybe you know when we get some time and he gets settled in and we get back in touch cuz he's i'm a member of the association so hopefully maybe a little bit of you know cajoling and we get our tickets back again right as i've dropped a few tons uh you know maybe get back on the sideline with my camera in my hand at least a couple of times i was prepping the receiver article and i was going back through some of my 2017 and 2016 pictures to look for receiver pictures. And I found a really nice one that I didn't even realize I'd taken of Cam Phillips in the Delaware game. He was going into motion and it caught him just at the right point and going into motion. We had both feet off the ground. It was kind of cool. And I'm like, kind of miss that. Yeah. He had one photo somewhere in there. I can't remember when it was within the last four years where it was Cam. I believe it was Cam. It may have been Trey where they uh, made an awesome catch over there near the pylon. It was a re- really good picture. And I know I used it as my featured photo on more than one occasion. So with some really good, really good pictures there. And, and, you know, we want to, we want to thank Pete Morris for, for what he did. He was, he was good to us, you know, regardless of what his, the, the biggest gripe I think most people have with him and, and myself included were the cheesy tweets from the, from the Virginia Tech official football Twitter account that I think that's, that's going to be much better, but you know, he was a good guy and he, he worked hard and you know, yeah, you we, wish him well, you wish him and his family well. Yeah. I mean, he went to Northern Iowa and I was thinking it's like, yeah, Pete, if you're hearing this out there by some chance, good luck to you and give the local guys a shot, just like you gave us. We really appreciated it. So uh, with that said, and kind of got the media stuff out of the way. The defense really hasn't been as actively being shoved around doing new stuff. The big change was from offense to defense, and Keonta Jenkins made the switch basically at the after the spring game. That buzz had started that he played really good safety in high school, and there was a there was that little buzz going on in the background that said. We don't think he's going to stay as a wideout. We just really don't. He looks like he's going to end up going to, to the defense. And lo and behold, what happened? Where do you think he's going to line up, though? I mean, at his size, he's pushing more than safety. He's a, a natural, quote-unquote, whip slash sand linebacker as far as his size and speed. He's he's looking a whole lot like yeah. a Tremaine. It sounds like from from how Coach Pride names his positions and everything, it sounds like he's going to be a Sam linebacker. And like you said, he has the the size for it. And we, we saw the athleticism, you know, his first year. He kind of jumped on the scene two years ago, and then he's played more of a, a background role since midway through 2020. And it's it's encouraging to see 
him back in the mix. I know that we, we talk about there are a lot of linebacker safety hybrids now in the roster where I'm, I'm kind of excited about several of these guys. You know, you're not sure where who, who's going to play where in a traditional free safety, strong safety, you know, the, the linebacker spots. But we know we know Dax is locked into one spot. But outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of positions up for grabs, a lot of guys to be excited about. You know, Jaden Keller is a guy who, who I've been hearing great things about. He's pushing Tisdale from what I heard. And Tisdale's got a few years on him. Tisdale is a player I like, but he's always struggled with keeping weight on throughout the season. We we talked about that previously. Yeah, he's always – to play where he's supposed to be playing, he's still like Dax short. But Dax has always been able to keep his weight up to make up for it. Tisdale's always been on the downside of the weight. And he is – a little too short to be a Sam linebacker. He's more of a will, but without being appropriately sized, sometimes he gets kind of hammered. So, you know, like instead of tackling and getting the guy to stop two yards in, into the tackle on the negative side, he doesn't have the mass to drive it back so the guy can drive through him and get that extra yard or that extra two yards. It could mean the difference between stopping him on third down and getting the first down, right? I totally agree with you. You know, we've always tended to have small linebackers, face it. I mean, we love them, but Xavier DB was was small. Vince Hall was small. I don't remember, other than Tremaine, I don't remember any linebacker that really got above 6'1", 6'2", and 250. And I, I think the, th- the great thing about Xavier and Vince Hall, who – in my entire life, were my favorite pair of linebackers that's ever played at Virginia Tech together. Those will always be hard to beat those two because those guys are studs. I think Xavier was tall. I think he was around 6'3", where, where yeah. Vince was shorter, but he was thick. I think he was around 240, 245 pounds, but he was shorter. But my goodness, were those those two guys were playmakers, and they played so well together. Yeah, they had they had each other kind of dialed in. They knew what everybody was going to do. They could swap off responsibilities. I remember those defenses, and I just you really miss that. And you're hoping that this defense with Brent Pry gets that kind of energy back. And of course, X is back in there, right? You know, he's back in there participating. He's coaching. He's teaching. So you know, that's that's going to be kind of important. Before you go, John, it was cool to, to see that we didn't get to talk about this before where Vince Hall is actually going into the Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Fame this year and to me that's a honor well deserved because because he didn't go on to have like this standout NFL career people do not realize how good of a college football player he was sometimes and before the commercial break as we go into the commercial break I want everybody to think about this sometimes the last game at home these guys will ever play anywhere is that senior night game. And yeah, some of them will try to get to the NFL, but that, you know, they'll crash out because it's just a whole different level of football, but man, they were great in college. And you have to remember that. And that's why I like the hall of the Hokie hall of fame, because it remembers that kind of thing. It, it, they try to get, they try to recognize people that, yeah, they didn't necessarily go on to the pros, but man, were they great Hokies and, and, Hall and DB will go down as you know if they show up anywhere they're going to get they're going to get free free something. At this point, we got to take another commercial break. Hopefully, uh, our friends at Service make sure that there's a commercial in there. The last time 
for whatever reason, some of them had commercials and some of them didn't. So let's see if we can get the bills paid again. And we'll be back after this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. The last segment of this podcast, Brian and I don't have a whole lot of kids, you know, player stuff to talk about on this particular thing. The critical change in this program, of course, has been the coaching level, right, Brian? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when we started this together way back in 2016 with our a former site manager and other stuff, but when we started this together, that transition kind of was different. What's different about this transition? What are you picking up? There's so many things I could say here, but the the one thing is Pry has ingratiated himself with the community with the uh, alumni, with the, you know, the entire New River Valley, with everything, he's completely more open. At the same time, he's hired a bunch of coaches who have also had the same pro- approach, but yet he's he's not like just some guy who's out there doing it all for show. He's instilling a tough-minded attitude with the team. He's making them tougher. I think one of the biggest hires he made was hiring Dwight Gallant as a new strength and conditioning coach. His father's a legendary strength and coach at Penn state. That's a huge difference there. So these guys, and you noticed it this year that while a lot of guys left, those were the, a lot of the guys who left were guys who I don't want to say pushed out the door, but it was a new coaching situation. So, but a lot of guys that probably wanted to keep or that you didn't want to lose, they're still here because they're buying into his approach which is a tough-minded physical approach, which is what Virginia Tech was known for to begin with. So we're getting back to some of our old roots, but in doing so, he is also welcoming maybe some fans who were frustrated with the previous product. He's reeling them back in, and he's doing a masterful job. Now he has to win football games, obviously, but so far the change just with him, not not including anyone else, has been, I can't tell you, there's not a number high enough to decipher that. It's gone from... Of course, it was pretty exciting at the beginning in in the previous era, too. But this one, what's happening is, number one, he's smart about controlling the the communications. He's relaxed. He's sitting in a comfortable position. He's not like looking like somebody's going to hit him with a big wet fish constantly and sort of defensively answering questions. He's engaging He's been talking one-on-one very well with people. Now, the one thing I have observed is right now, I don't know maybe if this will change as the season goes on, it's mostly Pry and all of the other coaches seem to be in the background, which, you know, in in a way, some people are going to start going wondering. And there was a question in the poll last week, because this is something that several other people have mentioned to me. They want to see a head coach be a head coach. Everybody knows that a head coach is not an X's and O's guy. The really great, good head coaches don't get into that. You know, they're like the the division commander. They don't get into ordering the soldiers around the field. They're the ones that order the units to go around the field to do things. They're the ones that say, okay, we need to go take this objective. They're not the ones that go, okay, Private Smith. You need to make sure you tie your bootlace the right way. Okay. So I'm of the mind that I don't want to see JC Price in front of the microphones all the time explaining stuff and anything else. I want to see him 
with the players out there. I like seeing him, you know, with the, the kind of hype videos. And he's out there teaching technique. He's out there going in one-on-one with the players and working out how they're doing things. The same thing I'm seeing with, with some of the isolations, you know, when they mic up the coaches. I'm seeing that that activity where we're seeing the coach interviewed by giving him a microphone and showing him out there coaching, which is what I like to see because the assistants are the X's and O's guys. They're the ones that are the ones, the, the, the guys that are responsible for getting their unit prepared and out on the field to win a football game. And I hadn't seen that in a while. I, I hadn't really felt that in a long while. There were some units that were prepared and some other units that you look like, man, you you guys are running in circles. What, what the heck's going on? Now, one thing we haven't seen is special teams. And you know, I guess I'm covering special teams. I haven't seen a lot of the results. Of course, you don't really see the results of special teams until after the, you know, after the first game and you go, well, that field goal kicker doesn't work. Or, or it was like Joey where you go, man, he could kick it a country mile. Now if he could just get it between the uprights, <laughs> that kind of thing. But we're looking at a different, a different style of coaching. And one of the things that tips the hand is who took over for Pry at Penn State? Manny Diaz. Yeah, none other than. And the rumors are Manny's overturning everything that Pry put into place, which, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Diaz is a big, A, a big ego, but B, he's a head coach. He's not a defensive assistant. So my guess is that that that's going to be an interesting relationship. But he, he's going to want to control what he wants to control his way. But it's going to be interesting to see the difference this year in Penn State, if, if anybody's going to track Penn State, just to balance it off about what, what you saw over the last few years as Pry was coaching Penn State's defense. I think that's going to tip a hand. I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I don't know if I like the idea of Pry calling the defense. I like to see the head coach doing head coach things. That's just me. And having been on the sideline, and seen and heard and and felt what's going on. There's a lot of stuff the head coach has got to do on the field that doesn't have anything to do with any specific unit. <laughs> and some of that is uh, actually managing the coaches themselves and what he wants done, what he wants the coaches to do. So it's it, it's going to be a different feel and a different look. And I think I think they're going to, I don't know about you, what's your opinion? I think they're going to be feeling it out. I think they're still, they're still going to be looking at not completely up to with what they want for a while, for a couple of games, for a half a season, for a season. I don't know. Yeah. The the early part of this era is going to be a a filling out process. And I don't know that what the things that you got to think too, he's inheriting a roster he may not have exactly what he needs to run, what he wants to run. And as, as far as calling the defense, I think that's a, that's something he wants to to hand over to Marv pretty quickly. But like but like you said, that's something he's going to do early. And maybe he's comfortable this season and and, and handing the reins over. But we, we haven't heard a lot. I know I haven't. I've heard more about the offense through fall camp than defense. And usually – Early on in, in camp, you hear more about the de- the defense is always ahead of the offense, and right now it sounds like it's the other way around. Yeah, it's, I'm getting the same feeling. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing. 
it's just I think that the defense, because the defensive line, and you know, you saw my article on defensive line. The defensive line has a lot of returning players who we have a lot of twos coming back. There's not a whole lot of natural ones coming back. There are a whole lot of guys that are coming back that are twos that are going to have to step up to be ones on the depth chart. So that's going to be an issue. And I think we've seen that in the linebacker core, not not negatively, but we have a couple of ones, but we have then then we have threes. We have ones and threes. We've got guys that are that need to step up to two. And and saying you know, the defensive backs are mostly ones, but ones and twos, and they didn't have a lot of game time. You know what I mean? Well, John, I think we've had a, a fun chat tonight. We've covered a lot of bases, but I think it's gonna it's time to wrap up this edition of Talking Turkey. And it was it was a good good episode. We covered a lot of ground. We want to tell everyone who listens to to keep following the site, Facebook, Twitter, and watch out for some of the stuff we put out this week. We're going to keep reeling out the position previews. John, I'll have wide receivers out this week. I'll have linebackers and the, the secondary out at some point this week. Yeah, and I've got, like I said, I've got the, the receivers, but I'm also going to hit the special teams. And that's going to be an adventure because special teams, nobody ever says anything about them. The last exciting punter we had was Oscar, and Oscar graduated and – now there's nobody exciting anymore. <laughs> so let's keep up the energy and let's hopefully there's some more developments over next week. And as we always say to end the show, go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.